Welcome back for episode number 13 of the Blacksburg Buzz. I'm your host, Kyle Bean. Today, we're going to be going over three men's basketball games for Virginia Tech. It's going to be a loss to Notre Dame, a win against Florida State, and a loss to UNC. So without further ado, let's jump into those games. First one, a really tough loss to Notre Dame, 66-74 to on the road. Uh, the first half, Notre Dame, they managed to string together a few runs, but they really couldn't do too much with them. Uh, the Hokies were playing pretty well at that point. Tech had an 11-point run pretty late in that first half to go up by 9, but then they finished out the last minute or two was pretty rough. Notre Dame got 5 points on the board just in that final minute alone, so the Hokies ended up leading by 4 at the half. Coming into the second half out of the locker room, Notre Dame kept the momentum going, and that's where they kind of took over this game. They built off of their five-point run to end the first with an additional nine points. So Tech went from leading by four at the half and even leading by a little bit more than that, leading by nine with about a minute to go in the first half to all of a sudden they were down five. Really rough turnaround for them. Uh, Notre Dame just managed to turn the tables all of a sudden like that. And then, you know, the Hokies, they, they fought back pretty well. They tied it up several times. Um, you know, for the next six minutes or so, it was fairly even. They kept kind of building back and working towards something, but it didn't end up paying off. They only scored three points in about a seven-minute span during that second half. Uh, that was kind of the final nail in the coffin. You know, Notre Dame took over while the Hokies only managed those three points in seven minutes. That's that's most of the half. That's about one-third of that second half where they only scored three points. It's a really, really tough run for them there. They had four turnovers during that segment of time. Three of them were from Padula. Uh, Hoagies just had a tough time keeping control of the ball, and then they really couldn't make any shots at all. Their shooting just fell off a cliff, especially from three-point. In the first half, they shot 55% from three. Second half just 15 percent so they really just couldn't buy a bucket to save their lives really they only scored 27 in that half as they went on to lose that game Notre Dame shot pretty well overall 49 percent from the field 35 percent from three and 77 percent from the line Virginia Tech on the other hand 44 percent from the field they were 33 percent from three overall, but that's averaging that really, really good first half where they were at 55 and, you know, averaging that with the 15, they balance out to a pretty decent 33% and then 73% uh, from the charity stripe. So not terrible for them shooting overall, but it's just that second half is where things really fell apart. 
Notre Dame's top performers, uh, Marcus Burton. He had 16 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists, and 6 steals. Defense was impeccable from him. 6 steals is probably the most I've ever heard of in a collegiate game. That's just outstanding. Uh, really shows how you know active Notre Dame was on that defensive end. And then Braden Shrewsbury, he had 12 points and 5 rebounds as well. Those two guys really led the charge a little bit for the Fighting Irish, especially Burton on both sides. Uh, he just played pretty outstanding, honestly, uh, against Tech. In terms of the Hokies, uh, your top guys were you know, pretty much the usual. Couture had 18 points, Poteet. 14 and 5 rebounds. Another good game for him. I've been saying it for a while now. I think he should be playing a little bit more than he has been. He gets good minutes, don't get me wrong, but I think Petit's just been that really strong post presence. Him and Kid have a little bit different styles of play. I feel like Petit is more of that strong, big, low man presence, whereas Kid plays with a little more finesse down low. And, you know, both have their place, but I think leaning into Poteet a little bit more than we have been would be beneficial for Tech. He always has fantastic minutes on the court. And I think his defense is just a little bit better um, in terms of just having the size to stop guys from backing him down. I think he handles that a little bit better than Kid does. But on the other end, Kid does usually score a lot more. Uh, he can get the ball up. He's been good in the post um, with his spins and whatnot. He just has a little bit of trouble when playing those really, really talented big centers. Um, so, you know, definitely balancing those two is a tall task, um, just their clashing play styles. But I think Petit should have a little bit more time in than he has been. And then Sean Padula, of course, uh, he had 13 points, three assists, and two steals. So, you know, all around tough shooting day, especially in that second half for Tech. This team is just not good on the road, honestly. Uh, you know, as of recording this episode following the UNC game, they're one in seven in road games. They're a little bit better at 2-2 two and two in neutral site games, but when this team isn't at home, they're just not the same. They've really been struggling against opponents uh, whenever they're not in Castle, and you know that is something to worry about going into the postseason, you know, just a few more weeks until the ACC tournament. And Tech really needs to perform well finishing out the season and at the ACC tournament if they want to continue their season into March Madness. Right now, they're not projected to make it. But, you know, maybe if they can pull off a miracle, they really need to do well these last six games that they have, like 2022 through the ACC tournament. Getting a win there would be an automatic bid. But, you know, outside of something insane doesn't look like this team is going to make it into March Madness so it does worry me 
their performance on the road with so many games not at home coming up, but we'll have to see how that plays out over the next few weeks. Now looking at the win against Florida State, this game felt a lot better in terms of the score, obviously 83-75. to Once again, this was a home game, so, you know, of course, Tech played a lot better in that home arena. The crowd wasn't as packed as you would like, but you can only expect so much for a 9 o'clock tip on Tuesday night. Just not ideal scenario there. Going to that game, working on the floor, it lasted forever. It was about two and a half hours in regulation, no overtime. So the game went on until around 11.30. By the time press conferences were over and I was back home, it was past 12. Uh, really, really late night for Tech basketball. In the first half, the Hokies held down a narrow lead for most of it until they went through this really rough spell. There were a lot of bad passes, just sloppy play in general. Florida State's defense was really, really active. They were moving around, pressing, putting pressure on the ball handlers to force mistakes. And that was one thing that really got Tech shook up a little bit in that first half. You had guys, you know, getting into some light foul trouble early on just because there were so many fouls called in that game, which was the main reason it took so long. The two teams shot 61 free throws combined. That is insane. So they were really just calling fouls all the time, and, you know, that slowed the game. It cut the pace a lot. And Tech was just getting shook up with that Florida State defense, just dogging them all over the court, sloppy passes, and just not playing. They weren't very settled in at that point in time with the defense moving around so ferociously. So they went through a spell with, you know, some turnovers, and they really struggled for a couple minutes. But it didn't end up actually being as bad as it felt. I remember heading back into the media room at halftime and looking at, you know, all the other media staff that I'm familiar with. And I was looking at them and I said, man, that felt really rough. It feels like we got, you know, 20 turnovers. And without looking at the score, just watching the game, you would say, you know, are we down 10, 15? Actually, it was only six turnovers during that first half so it felt a lot worse than it was but still just seeing everyone so unsettled on the court was a little bit worrying at this point in the year the Hokies did end up breaking out of that quick slump with a few threes and free throws under that five minute mark in the first half they really started to bring the crowd into the game for everyone that showed up to such a late tip during the week. The shooting just took off. There was a really crazy set of sequences between the Hokies and the Seminoles. Couture hit a three, and then they just went back and forth after that. It was Watkins after that, and then Jaden Young hit one, then Primo Spears hit one, 
and then Couture hit another one. This was all in the span of two minutes. So we saw five threes total in that two minutes, three for the Hokies, two for Florida State. It was just a really exciting sequence to watch, just going back and forth from behind the arc. So at this point, Tech led by four with about a minute to go in that first half. Florida State didn't end up bringing it back and tying it going into the locker room. Primo Spears had this incredible layup. He took just two gigantic steps and laid it in with his right hand off the glass. It wasn't a travel. didn't look like a travel at all either, but just two humongous steps. He covered a ton of ground there and laid it in. Florida State ended up tying it going into the half, so you weren't too concerned about the game but just you know seeing that worrisome spell in the middle of the first half you began to wonder what the second half might look like would tech have another one of their dry spells where they can't hit shots or would they you know play pretty well like they typically do at home and string together a few runs to get the win Moving into the second half, it lasted forever. That's where a lot of those free throws and fouls occurred. Guys were getting into foul trouble all the time, fairly early into the half. It was almost like the refs blew the whistle on every possession. It You almost just wanted the game to end because it was so stop and start. You'd get two plays and a whistle and two more plays and a whistle and it felt like all they did was shoot free throws and in a way it was 61 free throws on the game both teams shot them fairly well but that's just ridiculous 61 you had at least one player foul out on florida state i think there were two more that had four fouls I believe you had a couple Hokies in that 3-4 foul range as well. Everyone was just racking them up. Tech started to pull away about the midpoint of that second half. Padula hit a 3 while FSU was on a scoring drought. They didn't get any buckets for about 4.5 minutes. Tech ended up going low to Lynn Kidd for... A bucket in the paint and then out to Collins behind the arc for a three right after a media timeout and the free throws really took over around that point. We saw about 16 of Tech's final 23 points in the game were all from the stripe. They only missed one during that span but 16 points from the line out of 23 to close out the game. There was about seven minutes left at this point, and there were only two or three buckets total for the Hokies during that time. The rest were just fouls and getting to the line. Florida State was just all over whoever had the ball. During that late span, Florida State did manage to Put up a couple threes and make them. They're really sort of spamming them from behind the arc. They made quite a few, but it just wasn't enough with Tech hitting nearly every single shot from the stripe. I think the game would have ended up a little bit differently had Virginia Tech been missing those shots. I think Florida State would have had a pretty real chance at climbing back into this game or, you know, 
maybe losing by two or three. But with the Hokies shooting so well at the line, they just really didn't have a chance with the clock winding down. Florida State shot 53% from the field, 44% from three, and 66% from the stripe. They did struggle a little bit, 19 of 29. Virginia Tech, on the other hand, 41% from the field. They were 48% from three. They hit 11 of their 23 from behind the arc, and they shot 88% from the line. They made 28 out of 32 attempts from the free throw line. Seminoles' big performers, uh, Jameer Watkins, 26 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Then on the defensive side, 3 blocks and 2 steals. Really good night for him. Darren Green Jr. had 14 points. And Jalen Worley was really active on defense as well with 3 steals. Moving over to the Hokies, your big players was Hunter Couture, 20 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. Padula, naturally, 19 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. Tyler Nickel played really well as well, 15 points, 3 rebounds. He also had 2 steals. And Lynn Kidd with 12 points, 15 rebounds, 6 of which were on the offensive end. As I said earlier, I think Virginia Tech's real strength in this game came from the free throw line. Had they not been making so many of their shots, I don't know if this game would have had the same outcome. When you look at the differences between the two, the Hokies made 28 from the stripe, while Florida State only made 19. Virginia Tech only took three more attempts from the stripe than the Seminoles did, but they ended up scoring nine more points at the line. And when you look at the final score, eight points in favor of the Hokies, had Florida State shot the ball just a little bit better at the charity stripe, this game really could have gone differently. That's a nine-point differential right there at the free throw line, and Tech won by eight. So I think that's really what made the difference in this game was the Hokies made free throws. Florida State didn't. Now looking at the game against number seven, UNC, this one was a little bit rough. The Hokies did end up performing a little bit better than some may have thought against one of the top teams in the country with some of the best players in D1 basketball right now. Still a loss, but you can't feel too, too bad when they held it to just 15. That's not the worst for a team that's on the outside looking in at the tournament currently compared to a team that's going to end up as probably a two seed, potentially a one seed, depending on how they finish out the year. So 96 to 81 loss on the road. Just that road basketball, once again, didn't come through for the Hokies. They did end up getting a lead early on. They led 5 nothing to start the game, but that was the only lead they had. Collins made a three and a jumper to get Tech on top, but then UNC took the lead, and they never looked back after that. Cormac Ryan hit a three to get them started on the offensive side, and then Harrison Ingram took over for a few minutes. He had seven unanswered points 
in that first half, immediately following Ryan's three. All of a sudden, UNC was up 10-5 when they were down 5-0. And, you know, after that, it was kind of their ball game. The Hokies were down 11 at the half. Not a great feeling for sure. But, you know, once again, when you're playing the seventh-ranked team in the country right now, what can you do? Second half, the shooting, once again, just like that Notre Dame game, it just vanished. A Houdini disappearance for the three-point line shooting for the Hokies. They only made one of their 12 attempts from behind the line, and that one came right at the end of the game, 42 seconds on the clock. That was the only three for Tech in the second half. They were down 16 before that shot went in, so that one cut it to 13, but with 42 seconds left, that game's already over. They were 8% in the second half from three. 8%. Single digits. Just absolutely brutal for a team that I would say shoots the three pretty well when you've got guys like Couture, Padula, Tyler Nichols shoots the three well. Robbie Barron has been shooting it a little better lately in this season. So, you know, when you got guys like that, it's just you wonder what happened. And it really comes down to UNC just honestly being such a great team. They're just that good. Uh, really proud of the efforts of guys like MJ Collins and Melijah Poteet, especially those guys in particular. They played pretty well during the second half. Uh, they were making shots, trying to keep Tech in the game, but it just wasn't quite enough. There was a lot of fight in the group. They did cut UNC's lead to eight under the five-minute mark, but after that, they couldn't really do much UNC kept pushing and they got back into that double digit zone and ended up winning by 15. The Hokies just weren't going to win this game without slowing down Armando Baycott. He really got whatever he wanted in the paint. Tech just wasn't physical enough to stop him down low as one of the most seasoned and talented athletes in NCAA basketball. He's going to be tough to slow down on any night, but you've really got to bring the physicality to get to him. UNC shot 52% from the field. A lot of that was Baycott. 33% from three and 83% from the line, while Tech was 42% from the field. 27% for the game from three and 90% from the line. UNC's top performers, of course, Armando Baycott. Uh, he had 25 and 12 rebounds. He had four on the offensive end. R.J. Davis had 20 points and five assists. Cormac Ryan had 16 points. And Harrison Ingram had 12 and 17 rebounds. M.J. Collins led the Hokies with 18. Melijah Poteet followed with 15 and eight rebounds. Then was Tyler Nickel. He had 14, three blocks, shot four of six from three. Pretty good shooting night for him. He was the one that hit that 
late game three in the second half with 42 seconds left. That was Tyler Nickel. Hunter Couture with 11 points, four rebounds, and three assists. Lynn Kidd had 11, and Padula had 10, six rebounds, five assists, and two steals as well. Some notes on the game. Baycott, he just got whatever he wanted. Lynn Kidd wasn't quite physical enough with him down low. Baycott's just, he's really strong, and he got to his spots really well down low. Watching the game, you could see that he was getting the ball where he wanted it and could just really make his moves in the areas that he likes. He was down in that low post, uh, just spinning on the block and whatnot. And when you let a guy of that skill get the ball where he wants it, that's going to be an issue. You really need to either push him out or pull him in under the basket. You can't let him get to the spots he wants. You have to get him into those uncomfortable in-between spots where he really has to put in the work to get to where he wants, but he was getting there before he had the ball, getting good passes from his team, and just getting it where he wanted it and making things happen down low. His rebounding along with Ingram hurt Tech a lot too. Him and Ingram pulled in more offensive rebounds than the entire squad for Virginia Tech. So more offensive rebounds for those two guys than all eight or nine guys that played for the Hokies. That's just not a recipe for success. Playing a top seven team with such good players, really good recruiting, what can you expect? I mean, at the end of the day, losing by 15 to them isn't the worst thing in the world. You'd like to see it a little bit closer, but you've got to be proud of the Hokies' fight in that second half. They did cut it back into single digits several times. Watching the game, you were concerned that UNC might win by 20, maybe 25, but holding them to a 15-point win, I think that's something to be proud of in and of itself. That's all I've got prepared for today, so make sure you tune in for the next episode of the Blacksburg Buzz coming out soon. We're also going to be having some special guests on the show coming up. I've already got one planned for this week, Colby Crawford. He works with 24-7 Sports. He's really involved in recruiting for Virginia Tech and knowledgeable about the basketball and football scene, so I'll be sitting down and chatting with him. And then we should have some player interviews coming up soon, so make sure you tune in for those as they're on the way. Until then, enjoy the next couple days. Maybe catch some Hokies baseball and softball coming up, and tune in for the men's game against UVA coming up Monday night. So be ready for that. It's another edition of the Commonwealth Clash coming up, and we'll see you next time.